Hello and Happy New Year! Welcome to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. I'm Robbie. First off, I want to give a shout out to my two newest patrons on Patreon, Julie and Danielle. Thank you so much for your support. I also want to once again greet my new listeners and tell everyone to go follow my Twitter or Facebook page simply so you can talk back at me. I am dying to know who all of you are. Who is listening? Are you an atheist like me or what do you believe? How old are you? How did you find the podcast? What stories would you like to hear? What stories have you enjoyed the most? What's your favorite Pokemon? I have so many questions. You can find the links to my Facebook, Twitter, and Patreon on the description of this episode, unless I forget to put them there. Or if you're one of my beloved Patreon listeners, the links have been hanging out on that page since the beginning. Um, oh, and if you uh, ever want to be able to read these stories, a text version of every episode is available to the public on Patreon and should be available at the same time as the new episodes go up on my Buzzsprout unless I goof something up, which is not outside the realm of possibility. You might have questions about me, too. Well, I'm Robbie. You know that. My pronouns are she, her, and they, them. I'm 31 years old, which is a prime number. I decided that I was not a Christian anymore on my 25th birthday while reflecting on my existence, as one does on one's birthday. I had been trying to hang on to my faith for a while, even after I left church and decided I wasn't the conservative kind of Christian anymore. And uh, that's the day I just decided to try something new. Uh, our kids don't really remember church, although they they have um, they did go when they were toddlers, and they've had a few of their own church experiences si- since then. the The biggest reason I do the podcast is so that my kids can learn the stories that were so important to me as a kid, and that are so important to a lot of people. But of course, all that information is in the introduction episode. That's nothing new. Uh, shout out to my kids. Aiden, who is 10, and Kieran, who will be 9 soon, and the other members of my family are my spouse, Luke, and my dog. He is kind of medium-sized and tan, and his name is Freddy. Also, Freddo, Freddykins, and... Well, no, I can't say that one. That's rude. (laughs) Uh, You might remember I mentioned the story of Gideon, like, ages ago. Like, I think it's been months now. And the What is the Bible episode. I said I would tell it eventually because it's a really fun underdog story. Well, I kept starting to write it and then I would like, oh no, I should tell this story right now. Oh no, I should tell this story right now. And I kept doing that and I kept not writing Gideon. Um, But this time I really am going to tell the story of Gideon. It is one of my top favorites. This is the point where I stop briefly and look over my shoulder and see if another story is going to jump out at me and, and demand that I tell it. Nope, nothing. So here we go with the story of Gideon. It's got miracles and sneaking and unexpected victories, so I bet y'all will like it too. Now, you remember Israel, the people group slash nation slash geographical area? Well, before the time of the kings in Israel, there was the time of the judges. The book of the Bible called Judges tells stories from that era. Judge sounds like a legal position, but what the judges did sometimes settled disputes between people. Mostly they were the leaders that God chose from time to time when the people of Israel needed a leader. Oftentimes the judge was like a military leader. So, um, you know, Samuel the prophet, if you remember from the story of David, he anointed Saul king and later he anointed David king. That was the last judge. So uh, there's the context for you. This is a story from the book of Judges many years before the time of Samuel. The book of Judges has some really wild stories with a lot of interesting characters, but my favorite story is the story of Gideon, a hero of Israel. Um, I I, I think I've already mentioned it was an underdog story. 
And if I hadn't, you might be surprised that the hero of this story, at the beginning, we find him, we find Gideon hiding in a wine vat. It was this big tub that was designed to hold a whole lot of wine, but it didn't have wine in it, it had Gideon in it, and he was hiding so he could thresh some wheat in secret. Now there was a group of people called the Midianites who were oppressing Israel. The Bible says actually God sent them to oppress the Israelites on purpose because the people were doing things God thought were evil. So here's what was going on. If the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites would attack them and steal their crops, and they would steal their cattle, and the Israelites had like nothing to eat, which was very distressing for them, as you can imagine. So they started praying to the Lord to save them from the Midianites. So when our story starts, Gideon is threshing the wheat to prepare it to be eaten. That's the part where you, like, because the wheat is like a seed that comes in this sort of papery stuff. That's is how it's grown. So you have to get the papery stuff off of the wheat and isolate just the seed, and then you can grind it up and you can make the bread. Um, so that's what he was doing. And, and usually the threshing would be done outside on a big floor outside dedicated to that. Um, and lots of animals and people would be working together. But Gideon is here doing it alone in hiding because otherwise it would get stolen. And that's what he was afraid of. Um, so then he's in there, he's hiding and threshing his wheat in secret. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, the Lord God is with you, mighty warrior. And um, Gideon's like hiding right now to try to get some food. So he doesn't really seem like a mighty warrior. So that's like ironic. And um, he just ignores that. And he's like, um, he's got some questions to ask if he's going to talk to the angel of the Lord. So he's not going to get into the whole mighty warrior thing. He's just like, goes straight to what he wants to know. Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where are all the signs and wonders and miracles that our parents told us about? They said the Lord brought the whole nation out of Egypt with miracles, but now the Lord has abandoned us and let the Midianites take over. And uh, I haven't actually told all those stories about the miracles, but um, anyway, yeah, so he, he's heard those and then he's like, why is that not happening? Why are we suffering right now? Uh, and the, the angel of the Lord, then he just ignores what Gideon actually says and says what he was planning to say all along. One of my writing teachers said that characters talking past each other makes for interesting dialogue. Perhaps that is an ancient rule of thumb for writing dialogue, because these guys are definitely talking past each other. So the angel of the Lord, he hears Gideon say, you know, why is God not doing miracles and saving us? And he's just like, um, well, actually, it's confusing because the text says the angel of the Lord, and then the text just says the Lord says. So like, is the Lord and the angel of the Lord, is that the same person or, or what? It's kind of confusing. But anyway, the Lord there is the proper name for the Bible of God. So it says that the Lord or the angel of the Lord says, Go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the power of Midian. I am sending you. And that did not answer Gideon's question. And Gideon's like, um, he's just going to talk about what the Lord wants to talk about. He's like, how can I save Israel? I'm from the weakest family and I'm the youngest person in that family. And the Lord's like, go in the strength that you have. But Gideon doesn't think he has any strength. I will be with you, says the Lord, and you will strike the nation of Midian down as if it was one man. Gideon is not done with his questions, though, which is a thing that keeps happening in this story later on. Uh, so if he's going to take on a whole nation that's conquering them and, you know, is already starving them and has the power to kill him, he wants to know the Lord God is actually going to be in on it, which seems reasonable. So having a big shiny angel 
just appearing in the wine vat is not near enough evidence to go on endangering his life. So he asks for a sign, but first he asks for permission to bring an offering. So Gideon made like this little meal. He made a pot of broth, like some meat broth or chicken broth or something, and a basket with some meat and bread, and he brought those foods out as an offering. So the angel of the, the Lord is like waiting for him under this big oak tree, and Gideon offers him the food, but the angel doesn't eat it. Instead, he tells Gideon to, to put the meat and the bread on the stone and then dump the broth out over it. So it's like it's like a liquid. It's it's basically flavored water. So he dumps this out on the meat and the bread, and everything was wet. Uh, and then the angel held out his staff in his hand, and he touched the staff, the end of the staff, to the wet food, and it just went up in flames, um, even though it was all wet. And the fire consumed the meat and the bread, and then the angel vanished. And then Gideon was like terrified. Oh no, I've seen an angel of the Lord God face to face. And then the Lord spoke like the angel wasn't there anymore. But the Lord has just started speaking straight to him at this point and tells him, don't be afraid. You will not die. Like at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring and the Lord of the Rings, when Samwise is caught listening by Gandalf and he's like, please don't turn me into anything unnatural. And Gandalf is like, no, I've thought of a better use for you. And suddenly Sam is like part of an epic adventure. Basically that. So uh, I should tell you at this time in Israel, um, well, there were rules that have been around since the beginning that says only worship the Lord God. But some people at this point were worshiping other gods. And the Lord is like totally not going to save the people from Midian. Well, Gideon's own dad had an altar to this god Baal who's like competing with him. So he got really jealous that some of the people were worshipping the god Baal. So the very night after all this happened with the angel appearing to Gideon, the Lord tells Gideon to tear down the altar to Baal and to tear down the Asherah pole used to honor the goddess Asherah. And then he tells Gideon to build an altar to the Lord, that is himself, in its place. And he said it had to be like really well built. And then Gideon was supposed to use the wood from the broken Asherah pole to set it on fire and burn some meat as an offering. So Gideon took like 10 of his father's servants and did the work he was supposed to do, but uh, he was too afraid to do it during the day while people could see, so he did it at night. And then in the morning when the men of the city woke up and went outside, they saw someone had broken the altar of Baal, where they worshipped Baal, and they had cut down the Asherah pole that they used to worship Asherah, and someone had built a new altar and had made an offering. And so they investigated and they found out that Gideon had done it. So they went to Gideon's dad, Joash, and they told them to send Gideon out so they could kill Gideon for tearing down Baal's altar. Then Joash, who is Gideon's father, told them, Are you arguing on behalf of Baal? Does Baal the god need you to save him? Anyone who tries to make a case on Baal's behalf will be put to death by tomorrow morning. It's Baal's altar, so we'll let him make the complaint against the person who tore it down. And uh, as far as I know, it's not recorded that Baal ever made any complaint about the altar, so Gideon wasn't punished at all. And then, um, and you're supposed to think that's like, because Baal like wasn't actually real and the Lord God is real, but that's that's how it goes in the story. Anyway, but but Baal didn't complain. So, but the um, the Midianites were already like oppressing the Israelites, but now at this point in the story, they gather this huge army of all the enemies of Israel. And they camp out in this valley, and it's going to be fighting time. 
And then the spirit of God came on Gideon and he had like all this confidence and charisma and maybe really impressive air control because he blew on this, this horn, this ram's horn, and he called everyone to come to him and they heard the ram's horn blowing and they joined him to fight with him. And he sent messengers to other cities and tribes and they sent people to meet Gideon too. And, um, you know, Gideon's already had a sign in the form of an actual angel and flames coming from a rock to burn up an offering and he's riled up some people by tearing down the altar. And he's summoned an army. So you think he'd be totally committed to what he's going to do by now. But not really. So he wants more signs that God really is going to help. So he says to the Lord God, If you really will save Israel through me, as you said, then I'll put a fleece of wool on the floor outside tonight. And if the dew is only on the fleece and the ground is dry, I will know that you will save Israel by my strength, like you said. So he put out the fleece and in the morning it was so wet from the morning dew that when he squeezed out the water, there was enough water to fill a bowl, but the ground was completely dry around it. And then he said to God, please don't be angry. Let me ask you one more thing. Allow me to make another test. I will put out the fleece again and this time let the fleece be dry and let the ground be wet. And in the morning he saw it had happened just like he had asked. The fleece was dry and the ground was wet. And now people will like, if they're trying to figure out what decision they should make, they'll be like, I'm putting out a fleece. And that comes from this story. Um, mostly I think it's only like ultra conservative Christians who say that though. Cause I've heard on Twitter, like, why are they talking about a fleece? I'm like, you really don't know this? This is like, this is like basic stuff. This is Gideon. Gideon put out the fleece anyway. So maybe, maybe it's not as common a phrase as I kind of thought it was anyway. But if you ever hear that, that's, that's where it comes from. So um, anyway, now he's gotten all these signs from God. And so now he's forming a camp on Mount Gilead with the men who were assembled to fight. And from where they were camping, they could see the massive army that they're supposed to fight. Probably like over 100,000 men were ready to fight them down there. And he only had 32,000. So um, you do the math. His army is outnumbered more than three to one, almost, almost like four to one, which is a pretty big outnumbering. But God's like, uh, you have too many people for me to let you win. Because if you win, you might brag and say, I did it myself by being really good at fighting and really smart at strategy. So uh, Gideon, you need to announce in front of everyone, whoever is afraid may go back and leave the mountain. So Gideon did that and 22,000 people left, but 10,000 people remained. But God was still concerned it was too many people to be an obvious miracle whenever Gideon's army was about to win even though they were now outnumbered more than 10 to 1. So God made up another test to send most of the people home. He told Gideon to get all the men to tell them to go to the river and get a drink. And everyone who knelt down and put his face in the water and lapped it up like a dog to drink, he would go home. And only the people that knelt upright and cupped their water in their hands and brought the water up to their mouth in their hands and drank the water that way, those men could stay. And that was like 300 people because most of the people just put their faces in the water. So only 300 people were left and everyone else got sent home. And the 300 who were left kept the food that was there and like all the trumpets anyone had brought. And you'll see why they need trumpets later. So then that night, the Lord told Gideon to go into the camp and fight. But he's like, if you're not ready, you still need another sign. And Gideon's like, I will always take another sign, you know. Then he should sneak into the enemy camp and eavesdrop, and he would feel strengthened. Well, the Gideon who tested God three times isn't going to pass all the chance to feel 
even more certain. So he went to the outpost of the camp, of the enemy camp. It was like this huge camp full of people and camels and very intimidating. But he snuck up close and he heard a man who was like on guard um, telling his friend a dream. I dreamed, he said, that a loaf of bread came rolling into the camp and the loaf of bread hit a tent and the tent collapsed. And his friend is like, oh, gasp. This tells the future. It means that Gideon is coming and the Lord is going to make all of us lose to him. Which is really like super convenient. They had that conversation at that exact moment. So when Gideon overheard this, he bowed to God in worship and he returned to the camp and he's like, everyone get up. The Lord has handed the Midianite army over to us. So right now we're going to go attack right now in the middle of the night. So he divides his 300 men into three companies, you know, like 100 men each. And he gave every single man a trumpet to hold in one hand. And in the other hand, they held a pitcher, like a clay pitcher with a torch inside it. The torches were lit, but the pitcher covered them so you couldn't see the light. And so they go up to sneak around the camp. Watch me and do what I do, Gideon told them. When I get close to the camp, you do the same. When I blow my trumpet, you all blow your trumpets around the camp. And then everyone's going to shout, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon! And it's going to be super great. So it was like um, midnight when they snuck to the camp and they spread out around it. And then Gideon blew his trumpet. And all around the camp, 300 men each blew a trumpet. And that must have been a really alarming thing to wake up to. Then that wasn't all the noise. Because every single one of the 300 men shattered their pots, adding like all this explosive noise and suddenly there were 300 torches around the Midianite army so the Midianites are woken up by all these loud noises and then they're surrounded on all sides by hundreds of men holding torches and blowing trumpets and every trumpet and torch was leading an entire company of fighters to destroy them well actually no it was just only the 300 people every person that was there was holding a torch but they didn't know that so um, they absolutely panicked and they started running around like wildly like chickens with their heads cut off. And they ended up fighting each other because they assumed each other was the enemy and they like just woke it up anyway. Um, that's why you shouldn't maybe get a sword right after you wake up. Maybe you should wait until you've had your coffee first. They didn't have time. So they, uh, they fought each other and like lots of people died and then lots of people ran away. And then more men from Israel came to help and chase the Midianites throughout the country. And they reconquered their land and they beat the Midianites and everybody was free for like a couple decades until more stuff happened later after Gideon died. But Gideon mostly lived happily ever after and was the hero for like the rest of his life. Um, there's like a little more to the story, but this is like the exciting bit. So I'll just stop there. Um... I, what's, what's upcoming, what's coming up next? I'm going to take another week long break, try to get like lots of stories figured out and start writing on them. And uh, I'll be back in two weeks with Noah's Ark, which is a very famous story and inexplicably marketed to children constantly, even not in explicitly Christian context, which kind of weirds me out. When you know the story, you'll probably be weirded out too. Or maybe you do know the story. But anyway, that's the one I'll be telling next week. Uh, thanks for joining me for another episode of Bible Stories for Heathen Children. Again, don't forget to find me on Twitter or Facebook. Tell me about yourself. And if you like the podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon for like $1 a month or $5 a month. I really appreciate any help you can give me. 
Uh, plus, patrons get cool perks like early access and blog posts about the stories, and the $5 patrons get a bonus podcast every month. Our theme music is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. Until next time, shine on, Star Child! <laughs>